Good morning. Our passage for today is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. While you're turning there, hello, my name is Lydia Tate. My husband Preston and I have been members of Freshwater for almost three and a half years now. We have an adorable four-month-old daughter named Ellen, and we lead the youth ministry dive for grades 6 through 12. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? 
but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. All right. Thanks, Lydia. Good morning. I'm so thankful to see you guys here. I didn't know if we were going to be able to hardly have church today. And hey, you guys made it. We even have new people. If you're new, hey, my name's JT. I am one of the pastors here at Freshwater. So thankful that you're here today. So thankful that you braved what people thought were going to be the elements. But the roads were okay, right? Your roads okay? I, th- I was worried about the parking lot. It was okay. Um, braving the sickness. Man, I don't know if you know this. We had to shut down his kids today because all of our volunteers were sick. Half our leadership team is down. And so, uh, hey, parents, don't stress about the kids today. Keep them below a dull roar, and we're going to be good to go. So I know especially moms, dads too, but especially moms, you get stressed out about your kids. Hey, it's okay. We're all in here as a family today, and it's okay, right? Amen? Amen. And so along those lines, I have to do something I really, really don't want to do, but um, we're supposed to have a members meeting tonight, right? We're going to have to postpone it because if we have a members meeting and only half or less of our members can come, it kind of ruins the point. And so if, um, if you've attended any of our members meeting the last year, if you're new, you're just going to have to forgive me for doing this. We've had some members meetings that weren't the easiest over the last year, right? So I just want to assure everyone, um, just in case there, there was a, some post-traumatic stress from some of our earlier meetings earlier in the year, this meeting really is just a family meeting. We want to get together and talk and talk about where we're going. we got a lot of big things happening this year. I mean, the, the move to Williams and everything else. And so we just wanted to get together and talk and have clarity. And, and, and man, if anybody is, doesn't know what's going on or wants to know more about what's going on, that we just get together as a family and talk. We thought this, this members meeting, actually, Brandon and I talked about this a lot, went really well with this series because this series, if you haven't been with us is really about our family, right? About not being attenders at a church, but a family as a church. And we thought, hey, you know, I get together with my family and we talk all the time. And we, we work through things, that, like good things. And if there's a difficult thing we need to talk about, we talk through those things. So that's what the members meeting was about. It wasn't anything dramatic at all. It was just like, hey, let's get together as a family to kick off the year right. Let's start with a series and let's start with a family meeting that, so we can make sure we're all going in the same direction. And that was really it. Just hear me one more time. No big announcement. No big thing. I promise. I know we got, we got history in the back of our minds, but it wasn't, wasn't any big thing. We just want to get together and talk. Um, as a family, but which is really, really important, right? It's really important that we're on the same page. So we're going to postpone that. We just decided that this morning. I was going to be like, I talked to Brandon. We're just going to wait and see how many people were here. And how many, there's a bunch of people sick that I didn't even know were sick until this morning. Um, so we're just going to wait. We'll probably push it back into February, um, but we'll still do it. We're just going to push it back a little bit. And then I'm going to bring this up a couple times um, in the next cup, few months. I just, before we start, I want you to think about something. You ready? Um, how many of you now use your phone for your Bible on Sunday morning? Which, by the way, if I'm, not, if I'm in the audience, my hand's up. Okay, I just want you to think about something. I, somebody asked me about this, and I've been processing it for like two months. Um, can, l- let me just ask. Be honest. Don't answer us. I just want you to think about that. Does that help create like a distraction for you in church to have your phone in your hand? For some people, I think the answer, if they're honest, is No. And for most people, if they're honest, is yes. Like, I just want to ask, do you ever check a text or an email or social media during the, what, let's say one hour? Sometimes I preach long, right? One hour, we're supposed to focus on the Lord for one week. Hey, look, I'm not convicted. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with reading the, the, the Bible on your phone. What a gift that we have that the Bible's always with us all the time. Isn't that amazing? 
Like the technology we have, and not only that, but we can access things on our phone for Bible and study that is just amazing. I'm not knocking electronic Bibles. I use mine all the time. I study at home, mostly often electronic Bible, because I can have them all up on my computer screen, and then usually I have another Bible laying out on the desk. Not knocking it, right? Don't hear that. Don't hear that I'm knocking electronic Bibles. But what I've noticed, and um, whenever I'm in the audience, is that our, our phones, we're holding them in our hand to read the Bible, good thing, but then a text pops up, down. Then an email pops up down. Then the social media thing pops up, down. And all of a sudden, you, we're, we're not connected. Here, so here's what I'm asking. If your phone at all becomes a distraction for you, be honest. Put it away and bring a real Bible. What, what, here's, here's, what the, here's what we're asking. One hour a week when all of us together are focused solely on the Word of God and glorifying God. One hour. Can we get by with one hour without our phones being a distraction at all? So just process that. That's, that's not your pastor condemning anyone, right? It's not a guilt trip. I just want you to process it because I've noticed that um, I don't really check my, my texts or my emails during service when Brandon's preaching or Tony's preaching or whoever. I really don't. But I, but I also know when it pops up on my phone, I'm tempted. I'm tempted to look at it. And it distracts even me for a minute. When I'm preaching and when I have my iPad, I turn off. I put it on airplane mode so I can't get anything. I don't, especially don't want to be distracted while I'm preaching, right? So just something to process through and think about for you and just be honest with yourself. And maybe we need to start going back for a lot of us back to this a little bit more so we can focus on the Lord a little bit more completely. Sound good? All right, so let's get rolling. If you have been here with us for the last couple of weeks, we've started a short series um, called Community Advancement. And somebody asked a good question. I think it was Cal. He, he's, Cal and Sheila started in the church in the last, like, what, eight months? Does that sound about right? And he said, hey, why did we leave the book of John? We've been walking through the book of John for quite some time, and we're going to go back to the book of John, but why did we come out of the book of John to start this series? That's actually a great question. I never even thought of it, because we're, we always want to be in the Word. So every year at Freshwater, the first three to six weeks of the year, we kind of kick off the year with what's going to kind of be the focus for the next year, right? I don't really believe in New Year's resolutions. I mean, I, I believe, like, man, just seek the Lord in everything that you do all the time, but the New Year's a good time to kind of refocus, right? So this, this series is kind of about what we're going to be focusing on this year. And community advancement is really our focus for the year. And so when, when we say community advancement, this is what we're talking about. God has big plans for our church this year, just like he does every year, right? God has big plans for his church. But this year, man, we have plans to move back to Williams Elementary. And if you're newer to the church and you're like, why would you go to an elementary school when you have this nice big building? Because we started the church to be a part of of the community in Northwest Springfield. We saw the need on this side of town for, for the church to love people in darkness and poverty that are hurting, that are suffering. And there's churches all over the city, but we saw no one re- investing into Tom Watkins neighborhood, which is the, the northwest, furthest northwest section of our city. And we thought, man, well, God's calling us to go into that neighborhood and love people well, right? Well, the heartbeat of that neighborhood is Williams Elementary. There's nothing else there. There's no other buildings in that neighborhood that we can meet for church. That's it. And so we started the first five years of our church at Williams. The last four years, three, three and a half years, we haven't been there. Well, they redid the school, right? And so now we have the opportunity to go back because they have room for us now. And so the plan is to go back, to re-engage the neighborhood, to be in the heart of the neighborhood, to reach the northwest side of Springfield, to reach Tom Watkins. Again, we want you to reach your community where you are in your circles. It has to start there. But as a church body, we also want to focus on a place where we see darkness and bring the light of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so um, we want to advance God's community in our community. But here's the thing. When we were a church plant, right, we're we're eight and a half years old now, right? 
And when we were a church plant, we were super focused outwardly, always on the glory of God, always on the gospel, but we did a ton of stuff in the community, and it was good, and it was right, and it's still good and right. But some, over, the, over the first few years, sometimes I feel like we lost a little bit of our focus of making sure not only were we healthy in our outward focus, but we were healthy right here. We've always had a healthy church. I'm not, this is not coming out of, oh my gosh, we're, real, we're really unhealthy. And we weren't really unhealthy then. It was just focusing on starting it here, advancing the community of God that he gave us here so that we're healthy and that's, that health spills out of these walls out there. Make sense? And so that's the focus of this year. We want to try to get that balance really right this year. Take all of the wisdom that we've gained over the last eight, nine years pouring into our community and, and glorifying God and preaching the word and get that balance right. And so if you've probably heard me say, I feel like this year when it comes to our community investment, we're kind of starting over because COVID's changed everything. Like I'd say a third of the, te of the teachers at Williams Elementary, we don't know anymore. Where we used to know every single teacher, every single staff member, we knew them all and they all knew us. But I was talking to Ms. Hoff, who's been around forever. She kind of runs these things. She, we, we, they, we had people like make notes and then give them to all the teachers to encourage them. And one of the teachers was like, she said, Ms. Hoff said, this is from Freshwater. And she's like, who's Freshwater? And even Ms. Hoff was like, oh my gosh, the world has changed, right? A lot of people in Tom Watkins' neighborhood don't know who we are anymore because we haven't been engaged like we, we could have been, should have been for the last year and a half because of COVID. And so we're kind of starting over. And so this year, we're starting over. We're going to start over and, and, and improve on the way that we did it last time with all the wisdom we've gained. Make sense? Take that experience and do it even better. And that balance of community advancement here and out there is the balance that we want to get right. So the series really is about that. And as, we, as Brandon and I talked about it, as we prayed through it, it felt like we just kept coming back to 1 Corinthians because it sums up so many of these things so well. It kind of gives us a, a blueprint for what this is supposed to look like. So if you weren't here the last few weeks, the book of Corinthians was actually a letter written to an actual church started by the Apostle Paul. And he'd been gone for about three years, and he was writing back to address some things that were going on in the church. One, he was writing it to, to preach the gospel to them about Jesus Christ, right? But secondarily, the church had become divided. People had become judgmental. They had become, started to feel superior to other people. They were creating divisions. They were like really just all of their opinions were right and stopped loving people and listening to other people and caring about other people. And then not only that, but then sexual sin, but in particular sexual sin had started to run rampant in the church also. And it had become a problem. People weren't taking holiness seriously. So Paul was, number one, writing this to encourage them in Christ, but number two, um, meant to address some of these things that they were going through. And so what we looked at in, in the first week was chapter 10, and we talked about how so often we have idols in our life. And I, I say idols, I just mean things that we make ultimate in our life over God, right? The things that we, listen, we are built to worship. We will worship. It's who we are. God created us to worship. And so if our focus is not on Jesus, if it's not on God, our worship will shift to something else. And so the first week was just about thinking about the things that we make ultimate over God, owning those things, repenting of those things, and then giving our worship to where it rightfully belongs. Rightfully belongs. Hey, Javi, could you bring the, the roar back there down just a little bit? Just a little bit. I can't, I'm having trouble hearing um, myself a little bit. Hey, Hey, it's okay. We love you kids. Have fun, right? But just bring it down a little bit. It's so echoey in this room. It makes it tough. Um, and so that's what ch chapter 10 was about, us turning away from our idols and turning back to Jesus Christ. And then last week, Brandon preached on 1 Corinthians 11. Listen, this is how far this can go. This church was one of the earliest churches. Like I said before, if you don't want to be a part of a messy church, good luck. 
right? Because if you're in relationships, things are going to get messy sometimes. In marriage, with your family, with your kids, in your church family. This church had not been around that long. It was one of the earliest churches. And Paul had to, in this letter, address something that seems kind of unbelievable. They were taking communion, one of the most sacred, one of the most serious, one of the most holy things were to do to remember what Jesus Christ, and they were creating it, they, what they had created an environment as another way to divide people, to exclude people, to feel superior. Sometimes they were excluding people from communion because they just weren't a part of the group. Sometimes people were coming in and getting drunk on the communion wine. Other times people were coming in and eating all the bread, and, and so when other people came in to take communion with the family, there wasn't any bread because somebody ate it all, right? Can you imagine it going that far? Or people don't even, like, but those are the kinds of things that were happening. So Paul addresses this, and he says, hey, listen, the, the communion is about our unity in Christ and our union with each other as a family. We're us remembering what Christ did. And so what he said, like, there shouldn't be any divisions among you at all. Stop with the divisions. Be united. Be united. And when you take communion together, take it seriously. And he even goes so far as to say, listen, when we take communion, what, what we're doing is we're remembering that we've been reconciled to Christ despite what we've done. He's reconciled us, right? He loves us and reconciles us despite that and makes us one with him. So if you have unreconciled sin in your life, if you have unreconciled relationships, particularly with your brothers and sisters in Christ, before you take communion to go remember reconciliation, go reconcile your sin, go reconcile with your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And he goes so far as to say, if you don't do that, if you don't take communion seriously, and remember what it was, if you don't reconcile, there could be discipline from the Lord, because God loves you, because he loves you, he'll discipline for unreconciled sin and relationships because it's what he's called us to, all right? And so that's where we left last week. And so this week, what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna look at how even the best things, listen, even the best things like the gifts that God has given us when we become believers, if we're not careful, can lead us astray and, and lead us to worshiping the wrong things. So before we get into that, let me ask you something. For, for those of you that are in the room, that don't watch football at all. Is there anybody in the room that just doesn't watch any football ever? Excellent. So I've got my group of people. For those of you, Sunday, Sunday football is not in your house. You don't follow, you don't know what's going on. If I were to ask you, and you don't have to raise your hand or say anything, but if I was, if I was to ask you, name one football player, any one football player, do you think most of those people could name one football player? I think, I think so. Yeah, yeah. My wife, she doesn't watch football. Yes, Corinna, you raised your hand, right? She, she could name one. I bet it's a quarterback. Maybe not, but probably Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, somebody like that. Probably have at least heard those names, right? Now, if I ask that same group of people, listen, not Ethan, not you, not you, little man. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about people that don't watch football, right? Could you name one offensive lineman in the NFL? Now, why is that? Isn't that weird? Like, you know a football player. Why don't you know any offensive lineman in the NFL? Probably none. If, you, if somebody might know one because they, they're, they're probably connected to their family somehow, right? Probably none. Why is that? It's because for the most part, quarterbacks get all the love, don't they? They get all the credit. They get all the blame. It's all about the quarterback. They get all the attention. But listen, there is a reason that most quarterbacks buy their offensive line extravagant gifts at the end of a successful season. Do you know why they do that? Because they know, but listen, but the offensive line is the guys who protect the quarterback from getting annihilated, right? Because they know what most people don't pay attention to or don't care about. Without an offensive lineman, the quarterback is just the guy that lays on his back a lot. He's just the guy that gets knocked down all the time and can't prove anything, right? 
And so today, here's what we're, how we're going to relate this to that. Today, we're going to talk about how important you are. Does that feel good? We're going to talk about how important you are. Does that sound wrong? Um, it is wrong a little bit. Listen, we're not going to talk about how important you are in the way that the Corinthians were making it all about them and thinking it was all about them. That created divisions in their church. No, we're going to talk about how important you are to a healthy, thriving church that's moving forward for the glory of God and the advancement of the gospel. And so, listen, whether you're in here today and you're one of the quarterbacks or the running backs or the receivers that get all of the attention, or you're the offensive lineman that nobody really notices that often, they don't really see, they don't really understand all the things that you do, what, what we're going to see, it doesn't matter if you're the offensive lineman or the quarterback, that, that what you do, if we, if we all do this right, if we all are in this together, right, that all of us, offensive linemen and quarterbacks, all working together are vitally important for the advancement of the gospel, for the glory of God, for the health of his church. So that's where we're going today. So with that, let's jump back into 1 Corinthians. I want to read verses 1 through 11 one more time. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 for 11. And don't feel guilty if you're pulling up your phone right now. They don't have a hardback Bible. All right, verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit, that's capital S Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So really quickly, they're just saying, like, like this is another thing about unity. Listen, if someone truly is a believer, if they have the Holy Spirit in them, they can't curse Jesus because he's their Lord. And if they're claiming Jesus is Lord and they really mean that Jesus is Lord, then the Holy Spirit is them. This is another call to unity. He's about to talk about gifts, but gifts is one of those things that's dividing the Corinthian church. So he's saying, hey, we're all one in Christ. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. So when I talk about these things, be united. Keep going in verse 4. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the capital S Spirit for the what? Common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, we see in verse 2, Paul once again um, says that, hey, that you, were lay, you were led astray by idols. Like that's the thing that owned you in the past. And, and through this already, we've seen that idols is one of the things that can own us, that pull our heart, whatever our idol is in our life, something in our life that we make ultimate over Christ, right, can pull us away. But before he was kind of talking about that personally, and in verse 2, he's kind of talking about that personally. But now, we're, now he's moving into how idols, how our worship falling in the wrong place, the things we make ultimate falling in the wrong place, can lead us astray as a, as a body of Christ as a whole. Not just you, but it can, it can help to lead all of us astray. That's what this chapter is really about. So if we wanted to sum up what, did not listen, not only really this chapter, but chapter 12, 13, and 14 kind of all go together, right? So if we were going to kind of sum up what chapter 12, 13, and 14 are saying, we could, we could do it pretty much with, with verse 7. Look at 2 Corinthians 12, 7 one more time. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, again, Holy Spirit, for the common good. 
So when it says manifestation of the Spirit, we're, we're given a manifestation of the Spirit. What's it talking about there? Talk louder than the kids, right? What's the manifestation of the Spirit that we're given? Gifts. Thank you. That was barely louder than the kids, but hey, you got it, right? A manifestation of the Spirit. Like, we're all given gifts. This is God laying out that he's given all of us gifts. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God has gifted you by the power of the Holy Spirit who is within you to have gifts. Like he wants you to use them. But, but those gifts, I want you to hear something. I think you know this, but I'm going to say it. Listen, those gifts aren't for you. Do you hear me? They aren't to make you feel good, which they can, by the way. They aren't to give you an experience with God, which they absolutely can. But, they, but why are these gifts given? Why did verse 7 say these gifts are given? For what? The common good. What does that mean? For each other. The gift is given so that you can pour out into someone else, that you can pour out. So it's for the building of the church. That's what this whole chapter is about. Right? If you paid attention, it's, I think it's pretty clear. What we're about to read is pretty clear, right? That, that God gave us all gifts for the church to be used for each other, for the common good. So Paul goes on and he lists some of those gifts. Knowledge, wisdom, faith, prophecy, tongues, so on, right? All those are listed there. Now, now let me ask you something. If you actually listen to Lydia as she read the whole chapter... And, and if you listen to, the, especially the last few weeks, but even this week, about the context of 1 Corinthians and what was going on there and why Paul was writing this letter, do you think the point of this chapter and the point of this book is you should try really, really hard to speak in tongues? That's the goal. Try really hard to speak in tongues. No. Listen, people all the try, time try to make this passage about whether or not people should be speaking tongues or prophesying in church all of the time. Listen, the point isn't that we should try to prove ourselves or try to have an experience with God by longing for the miraculous gifts. And when I say miraculous gifts, when, typically when I say that, people are talking about miracles, prophecy, and tongues. No, the point that Paul is making is, why have you made the gift, whatever it is, about you? Why have you made that thing the idol? Why have you used that to define and separate and create superiority in the church? You are propping up people because of the gift they have or don't have. You are making it about the gift. You're making it about what you can or can't do. But what is the point of the gifts in the first place? To build the body of Christ. No division to build the body of Christ. We're going to see next week, and I'm going to spoil next week in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, if you make it about the gifts... But you don't love each other, and love is worshiping God and being united with each other, fighting for each other. If you don't love each other, then your gift is worthless. You're like a banging gong. That's where we're going next week. That's where we're going next week. They're to build the body of Christ. Now here, I want you to hear this, right? Because especially in Assemblies of God land, right? The heartbeat of Assemblies of God. I just want to say this. Listen, at this church, at Freshwater in particular, we can have disagreements on this. We don't have to be 100% fully aligned with each other on how the miraculous gifts play out. When I say, again, like tongues and prophecies and miracles and those things. Listen, we have leaders, we even have elders that aren't in 100% agreement. Like I, Brandon and I are a good example. We're super close. Close enough where it's not division, right? We just have to talk through it and make sure we communicate well. We're super close, but we're not 100% on the same page on what Scripture is trying to teach us. But here's what we, we all agree on, and this is why Brandon and I are in a good spot with this. We all agree that God can do whatever he wants. God can use whatever gifts he wants. 
God, wants to, uh, God feels like, hey, this, we need tongues right now. Tongues can happen. We need a miracle right now. Bam. We need a healing right now. Bam. Because he's God. God can do what he wants, when he wants, with who he wants, because he is God. Amen? So we all, we all agree on that. Right? This isn't about salvation, is it? It's not about whether or not Jesus Christ is Lord and the Son of God who brings salvation right now and in the end. That's not, it's not about that. So, right, we can all agree on that. But, but here, here, I just want you to know, some of us think that these miraculous gifts were mostly for the early church. Right? Because at the early church, when they needed miracles, when they needed tongues, when they needed these miraculous things to help build the church. Because the New Testament, listen, the New Testament didn't even exist yet. Like, the New Testament ended with, with Revelation and John writing it, but, but during this time in the 50s, and that didn't even happen until the 90s, they're still figuring out who God is in this New Testament, in this new covenant, in this new covenant world. And so they needed those things at the time. And so some people in this room think th those kind of miraculous gifts being a, a, a natural daily part of church activity have pretty much ended. Can happen, but it's just not a, it's just not a consistent part. Then we have other people in the room that think that, think that these things could, maybe even should be a part of church as a normal thing, right? That when it talks about gifts, it's talking about right now. And so we, we shouldn't like maybe necessarily just try to speak in tongues or prophecy all the time. But if it happens, it happens. It can be a natural part of church. Hey, listen, that's okay. You know why? We call this an open-handed issue. It's not closed. It's open-handed. Because the, in the end, this is why we can agree and be okay. The Bible doesn't make it about whether or not you do these particular things, but why you are doing them. Why you are seeking them out. It does say seek them out. Just seek to use gifts for the glory of God and for the advancement of the gospel inside your church. Yes, seek to do those things, but why you're doing them. Hey, let me, let me write the ship a little bit. You know, Ephesians 4 talks about gifts. <clears throat> Romans 12 talks about gifts. Other places talk about gifts in relation to the church, in relation to the church. And you know that none of those places talk about the gift of tongues at all? We see it in the book of Acts, but Acts is not what we say prescriptive, it's descriptive. It was describing what was happening in, in the early church to establish it. But Acts doesn't very often say you should do these things. The epistles do more of that. The gospels do more of that, right? And so here, think about this for a second. Romans was written by the guy who wrote 1 Corinthians, right? He wrote it to the church in Rome. Well, if you were with us during our Roman series, what was unique about the book of Romans is that it was written to a church that Paul didn't start. You remember that? He'd never been there. He'd always wanted to go to Rome to see. It was one of the earliest churches. He'd always wanted to get there, but he never had. So all the other letters that Paul wrote were to a church that he started or people he did ministry with. So he knew them really well. He didn't know these people. So he ends up writing what is not even really arguably, the most comprehensive book in the New Testament about the gospel and Christian life. He kind of covers it all in those 16 chapters. That's why we spent like nine years in it, right? Because it's so comprehensive. And he spends a whole chapter talking about the gifts and the church and how it should play out among us, right? Chapter 12. Do you know what he doesn't even mention? Tongues. Doesn't even mention it. You know what he doesn't mention? Miracles. Now, do we think there were miracles in the early church? Yes. Do we think God can do a miracle now? Yes, right? But the most comprehensive book, he doesn't even mention, he talks about gifts, but he doesn't even mention these things. Why? Because his whole point is, listen, it's not about the thing. It's about our hearts and why we use the gifts that God gave us. And if you feel like I'm spending too much time talking about this right now, and I am, is it divides our city. It divides so many Christians because they make it about the thing instead of about what it's meant to be used for. 
And again, that's why this particular gift, these particular gifts are open-handed issue at church. You can have differences here and that's okay as long as we remember what the entire point is. When we make it about the gift, we get led astray into, into our idols, into worshiping the wrong things instead of focusing on the wrong things. Now, how do we keep gifts? Because sometimes people have some pretty outstanding kind of out front, pretty amazing gifts sometimes, right? We've seen God do some amazing things with people. How do we keep that from becoming an idol? Whether we, whether we have the gift and we want everybody to kind of think we're awesome or we see other people's gifts and how they're gifted and, and really it creates envy or whatever else in us. That's, that's idol. That's an idol. That's worshiping the wrong things. How do we prevent that from happening? Well, I think that's really what the rest of the chapter is about. So read with me in verse 12. And we'll read through verse 26. 12... 12 through 26. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, what is that word? They're what? What is it? Necessary. You know what my version says? Indispensable. And that's pretty accurate to the Greek. Indispensable. So as I'm talking about gifts coming up here in a second, and if you happen to think, like, like I'm just not that important, man, my gift's not that great, what does it say that your gift is for the sake of the church? Indispensable. I'm not going to be talking in exaggerations. Right here it says you're indispensable. 23. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body by giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So, even though this whole chapter is a metaphor, I think it's pretty, it's pretty clear what he's talking about, right? God describes the church as a body. But listen, it's not just metaphorical. It is metaphorical, but it's not only metaphorical because whose body are we? God's? Who's in particular? Jesus, right? Talk, man, talk loud to me. We're, like, we love the kids in here, but we got to get over the dull roar of the kids, right? We're Christ's body. And so that's a spiritual, literal truth. That's why I said that's not metaphorical. We are part of Christ. We are one with Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, if you went back to 6, 17, you don't need to, you can if you want. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says this, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Think about that phrasing. That's like marriage phrasing. One spirit with Christ. John 17, Jesus is praying, is talking to his father about us. And he says this, and he's talking about us, that they, us, may be one. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, they also may be in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
Think about those words. We'll get, that, we'll get to that in John 17 in like a year or whenever we get there, when we get back to John. The language of the New Testament is that we share in Christ's life, that we share in Christ's death, like we died with him, that we share in his resurrection, that we were raised from death to life in him, and that someday we will share in his eternal inheritance, that we are, as Romans 8 says, fellow heirs with Christ. Crazy language. We're sharing in Christ's inheritance. Why? Because we are one with him. We are one spirit with him. We are united to him. He is our head and we are his body. And being a part of that body is much more than just being saved. I think in churches, if it's crazy enough, sometimes we put too much emphasis on being saved. Can we do that? It's the most important thing in the entire world. It's the most important decision that anyone could ever make. It's life or death. It's heaven or hell. It means everything. But we put so much focus on that. When the, do you know how much focus does the Bible put on just being saved? Quite a bit. But then there's so much more about what it means to actually live in what Christ called you to, how Christ called you to, and Christ is calling us as his body to live in and do things right now. Right now. And so the rest of this chapter is just laying, laying out basically what I started the sermon with. Everyone pays attention to the quarterback, right? And unfortunately, I or Brandon, the, the pastor, the person who stands on stage, tends to get the most attention. But listen, um, what would I be, what would we be as a church without the linemen? Here's the truth. I would be a beat up guy trying and failing to advance the gospel. That's who I'd be. That's who Brandon would be. That's who we would be. Paul is saying that the church is a body all working together because everyone is indispensable to the church. Everyone's gifts matter. And so maybe in the body, the, the brain and the heart get all the attention, right? But, but how healthy would your body be without all its vital parts working? Listen, this is what the, the passage talks about. Even the parts we don't like to talk about. Now, let's just get real. Anyone ever had colon problems? Now, the colon is not a sexy body part. Let's just be honest. It deals with waste removal, not sexy, right? But do you know how badly things can go for you if your colon gets out of whack really bad? Listen, it gets ugly in a hurry. I mean, ugly in a hurry if your colon is messed up. And at that point, it doesn't matter how healthy your heart is, like the big shining heart, go and see the cardiologist. It doesn't matter how awesome your heart is or all the marathons you're in. If your colon is severely jacked up, your life is shut down. It's done until that's, that's fixed. It, am I right? That's what this is talking about. Maybe people don't like to talk about the colon. Maybe you think your gift, I'm not going to call you the colon of our church, right? <laughs> right? But maybe you feel like, like, but listen, maybe the main thing that you do for our church is get here early to make sure this place is clean and then afterwards to empty the trashes and wipe everything down, right? Is that not super valuable to the whole church? Coming in and making sure this thing happens, making sure that people can just come in and not worry about those things. You're like, I can do that thing. I don't care if I'm noticed. I don't care if people see this. I don't care if I get credit for this. I, I, this is how I can serve the church. And it's unbelievably valuable to lift us all up together. To lift us all up together. So here's the point. Listen, don't you ever, don't you dare think that just because you're not standing on a stage or leading a ministry in our church that somehow your role is lesser. It is not Lesser, don't you dare believe because you serve in a way that not everyone automatically notices or not everyone automatically knows your name that, that somehow um, it's not as important or vital to our church. Listen, that was the problem in Corinth. Not a debate about tongues, but this 
and how it created division and how it brought the whole church down. And the church is beginning to fall apart at the seams because of things just like this. They were making it about the thing, and that's the exact opposite of what the church body is supposed to be. And in the end, what it led to is people didn't care for each other. They didn't honor each other. They didn't take care of each other because of it. Hear me, church. When one suffers, we all suffer together. When one is honored or one has something to rejoice about, we all celebrate or rejoice together. That's what this thing is supposed to be. We are all, here's the thing, this is why every gift of support, we are all equally in need of a savior. And we are all equally in need of people to use their gifts for us as we use their gifts for them. That puts us all on completely equal footing. This is what this is about. As Ephesians 4 says, that we are working together to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and to grow into spiritual maturity in Christ, who is our head. It's all about pointing each other to Jesus, whether that's emptying a trash or proclaiming the gospel from the front. It's all in a way to love each other, to point people to Jesus so that we might grow in maturity. As I said before, it's about, it's about you being there for me. And you know how many times people have been there for my family in the last nine years? And it's about me being there for you. You know how many times our family has been there for other people in the last nine years? Listen, it's about me humbly using my gift of teaching to help you grow. I don't have to act like I don't have the gift of teaching. This is how God built me, right? I know it. I'm not saying I do it well or do it poorly. This is just the gift I know that I have. So I'm using the gift that God gave me to help you grow. And listen, it's Ethan. It's Ethan using his gift of service to help encourage us and to help us grow. Where's Tracy? I know she's here. Hey, Tracy. It's about Tracy. It's about her using her gift of encouragement, which she does constantly to lift you up because we all need to be lifted up by, by people like Tracy. And it's about Ray. It's about Ray using his gift of service and his gift to self-sacrifice to do all the things that no one ever notices, but he's here faithfully before church, after church, every single week so that he can be a part of making this thing happen, be a part of helping me stand up here, being a part of all of us gather so you don't have to worry about the things that he worries about and takes care of. She's not here today, but it's about Corey using her gift of evangelism to inspire us all to want to go out and seek and save the lost. Because some of us, because of the way we're built in our gift set, we'll get really focused with what we need to do right here. All the busy things we need to do in the church. And we'll forget about out there. It's just how we're built. We need Corey to point us outward so we never forget about the lost. While at the same time, Nikki uses her gift of music, which she got to use today, to, to draw us all into the presence of Christ. Listen, it's, it's Larry and Mary. Hey, guys, way back there. It's Larry and Mary displaying their deep compassion for us and for their community because they pour into not just us, but the community around them. While Esther's faithfulness and prayer constantly holds us all up before the Lord. I could go on and on, right? I'm just looking around the room. I could go on and on about all the beautiful ways God uses the people in this room and uses all of their gifts to help us pursue our unbelievable potential in what God is showing us here. And, and what Jesus is telling us in John 17 is that by loving God in this way, as we are one with Christ, by, by loving each other in this way, by using our gifts together so that we can be one, that through that, the world will know who Jesus really is. Isn't that crazy? 
That's what's so great about this. Not only is this what God's calling us to, so should, we should just be obedient to it because he's God and it's not. Not only is it bringing him glory, not only is it building his church and encouraging the saints and growing us all and making us stronger and making us capable of more, but this will literally propel us outside of these walls into the community and use those gifts out there so that people might see, recognize, and believe in Jesus Christ. Advancing community. That's what this leads to. That's why this is so important. That's why we want to start the year with this. So, you are to use your gifts for these things, starting here, but it'll spill out to, out to there and people will come to know Jesus. So if you're in here today, and you're like, well, I don't really know what my gifts are. I don't know how God's gifted me. I get that. I get that, but here's what I want you to do a couple things. I just want you to think about your life, and I bet it'll start being revealed to you. If you're the kind of person that likes to have people over and cook for them and make them feel welcome, and just give them a warm place to be. Maybe your gift's hospitality. Maybe it's just not that much more complicated than that. We try to make this way complicated, like digging down, like, what's my gift? Right? Maybe you're just like, you're like Ray, and you just like to help people. Like, people need help. I mean, it, it brings you joy to go help them. You're like Robert. It just brings them joy to just to help people. Maybe you have a gift of service. Maybe you're just a natural encourager like Tracy. Right? Tracy, have we ever had a, a big, long conversation about your gifts? No. Right? She's just a natural encourager. Maybe you're, like, maybe you're like Russ and you just naturally want to pour into your community around you and lift them up and, and help people to be more beyond these walls. Maybe, maybe it's just, just think about your life, what you're naturally drawn to. And listen, at some churches, I'm not knocking this, but they have things like gift tests online and things you can do. And I'm not against those things. They can be helpful, I guess. You know, for 2,000 years, there was no such thing as a gift test. We had the Word of God. And then what would you do? You read the word of God and then you said, I, I should do that. That's what God tells me to do. I need to go do that. And then you just start serving. You want to know your gift? Start serving the body consistently, weekly, right? All this, I don't mean like live your life, right? But look away, it's just in the natural rhythm of going to church and life group and discipleship, you start serving people. And I promise you, promise you, God will reveal how you're gifted and what you're drawn to. Listen, this is a, we treat it with a gift test and everything like this is some big secret that we have to discover. This is not meant to be a secret. This is not meant to be kind of under the surface. God wants you to know these things, to do these things, to walk in these things, to, man, to glorify him and bring us all to be more than we could ever be. And you know what? If you start doing that, because listen, sometimes you're just serving because there's a need, right? That doesn't mean like if, if you're not naturally drawn to kids, but you're like, man, we need to, I need to serve in his kids because they need me right? You don't have to have a natural gift set to go serve with the kids. I mean, don't hate kids, right? But it doesn't have to be your natural gift set. You just go back and serve. But we want you to operate in the things that you're, you're naturally gifted towards. You know why? Because it'll be what Brandon was talking about last week when he preached. Remember what Brandon said at the beginning of the sermon? I love preaching to you all. It is my joy to be able to stand up here and proclaim the gospel. And that's what it is for me too. And I, I love to preach to you all. It is my joy because that's how I'm built. It's how I'm gifted. Brings me joy. Do, do you know, I bet, I wish she was here so I could ask her. Um, I got so many people out sick this week, but, but Corey loves to share Jesus with the lost, right? It's one of the number one things that she does. I guarantee for her, almost nothing is better in her life than when she's sharing the gospel with a lost person and she sees the Holy Spirit dawn in their eyes. Like that light bulb go off and she sees that they are getting the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is wooing them. I guarantee for her, there's almost nothing better in her life. Larry, I want to pick on you for a second. Listen, it was Larry's joy to spend the majority of his days with Mary and Jerome 
and Mary's last days as she was slipping away, and he basically lived with that family for the last week or two so he could help take care of Mary and Jerome as they went through the hardest thing that they have ever, that Jerome will ever go through. Hear me, it was his joy to be there. No one was happy about it. That's why we have to separate out joy and happiness. But Larry's gift of compassion compelled him to be there. And it wasn't easy. In fact, it was so hard. But you should hear Larry talk about his love for Mary and Jerome and what that meant to him and what that meant to them. Because when one suffers, we all suffer together. Yet, church, listen, using your gifts is not always going to be easy. And it's not always going to be simple. But if we are faithful, God will remind us and show us and reveal to us that, listen, this is exactly what we were made to do. It's what you were made to do. Not stress about the million different things that life throws at you. That's why there's so many scriptures about cast your anxieties, cast your fears upon the Lord. He doesn't want you to get wrapped up in that all the time, which so many of us, us do. Right? It's, not, it's not making it about you all the time and, and what you're going through. Like, yes, of course, we, we, we've got to take care of ourselves and go through the things that we're going through, right? But so often we make it about us all the time and we don't even realize we're doing it. No, it's not what we're built to do. We are built to worship our God and King and then give ourselves to help each other grow closer to him by using our gifts for each other. That is the purpose of your life. Preaching the gospel and evangelism will actually be bred out of that. Yes, preach the gospel. Yes, tell lost people, but it's actually bred out of these things so that we might advance the community of God right here in this family. And then that might spill out of here and advance God's kingdom into the community around us. That's who we're meant to be. That's who we are at Freshwater. Not because we're coming up with some new cool theme for Freshwater. It's because this is what the scripture is teaching us. Now, let's let this play out like extremely practical to kind of wrap this thing up. I don't know if you guys know this, but we have a huge announcement today. Did you know that? I didn't start with it. You want to hear a huge announcement? You ready? I'm getting excited. Just going to say it. We officially got our contract approved for Williams Elementary. March 13th, we're going back. It's done. Yeah, and for you newer people, you're like, cool. And for you people that were around a long time, you're like, yeah, right? It's like, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be in the heart of the community. I'm so excited to be able to meet people at a block party and say, oh, you know, like, do you go to church anywhere? Do you, you know, we meet at Williams. Yeah, where, where your kids go? Do you know how non-threatening a school building is? Now, to church people going to church at a, like, why would you want to go back to a school? I know it's, it's not typical, right? It's not the American way, right? But who are we trying to reach? If we're at the heart of the neighborhood in a place that like, people are there anyway and their kids are there and their families are there, like, hey, we're at a block party. Why don't you just come? Hey, just join me at Williams Elementary this weekend. Come on in, right? We're so excited for that. We're so excited to be back in the place where we started. It's not the answer to everything, but man, we're getting back into the neighborhood and that's a good thing. All right, so... Let's not romanticize it too much, though, because you, you, you know what was really, man, really wonderful, but also really tough about doing church at Williams? Is that we had to set up every single week. And it was tough because we had to set up every single week, right? But you know what was wonderful about it? It was wonderful because it gave so many people in our church, basically every, everybody, a very real investment in making Sunday morning happen. 
right? It built community because we were all in it together. We were all doing it together. As hard as, as, hard as it might be for some of you to imagine this, um, it built community. It built family. Being at church early and all of us making it happen just made us closer. Just made us closer. It made us stronger, right? We, we were weak in a lot of ways, right? But we just, it just made us stronger because here's what it did. It made us never forget this. Hear me. That we are on a mission together to glorify God and advance the gospel. We are not meant to attend church together. Did you hear that? It reminded us every week that we are on a mission that we are not just attending. And in the American church in particular, attending is an epidemic. So I need you to ask yourself, and I mean this, I want you to think about this. I want you to ask yourself, do, do I really want to be an attender, particularly on Sunday? We're talking about Sunday. This spills into a lot more things than Sunday, but right now we're talking about Sunday. Do, do I want to be a, an attender or do I want to be a part of what God is talking about in 1 Corinthians 12? Do I want to be a part of the way his church was meant to be? Again, this is, we're absolutely talking about Sunday morning, but it spills out, out way more than just Sunday morning. That's what we're talking about right now. So today, I want you to ask yourself, I want you to ask as a family, right, what, what kind of church do I want to be a part of? What, how do I want to have this? A, a church where we're truly all together in this, where we know each other, where we serve each other, where we help each other grow so that we might go forth and advance the gospel? Because here's the thing. I know this church. If you're new today, I don't know you, right? Welcome to Freshwater. I'm so glad you're here, right? But I, I know this church. I know for virtually every person in this room, the answer is yes. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Right? Because there's, there's something in us that knows that it's right, that knows that it's good. I know that's what you want. So I got a challenge for you today. You ready? I wish every person in our church and every visitor ever would be here for this, this challenge. But well, we're going to work with what? Life group leaders, make sure all of your people listen to the sermon this week. Not because my sermon is awesome, but I think this is what we need to hear. Here's something really practical. One thing. When we get to Williams on March 13th, assuming that that date really does work out, I think it will, I want you to plan on, plan on being at Williams at 9.15. Does that sound crazy? I want you to be there at, not, not, listen, not 10, not 10.05, not 10.35, right? Get there early. 9.15, and be a part of making church happen every week. Come and help set up the chairs. We're going to have to set up chairs every single week and organize it. And you're going to get to see the one thing really that I'm OCD about is making sure the chairs are straight and in perfect line, right? You want to see that? Come early. Help us set up chairs. Come early and help put up the banners. So I want to put up banners out by the road, right? These banners, banners out by the road so people can kind of know where Freshwater is and how to find it. Come help make coffee and set up that. Come help Larry and Mary and, and James and whoever else is doing that that way. Come help them. Come help the tech team with whatever they might need. Just setting up. The, we got to set up tech team every week. Think about that. Every week. We don't just go back and turn it on anymore. We got to set it up. Come help the His Kids team set up His Kids. Whether you work on the, the tech team or in His Kids or not, that's all I'm talking about. Just come help them set up. Carry things out, set it up, put it all up. Man, just kind of figure out what the His Kids team needs in the morning. And maybe you don't go back with the kids, but maybe on Sunday mornings you just know the His Kids needs me to come in and do this, 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 and this. And you just come in and then you get to know your His Kids leader. And you get to know the kids that are running in and out of His Kids that you're setting up, right? Because we're not going to have His Kids at 9.15. It's going to be family time, right? So you come in and you start, to, you start to get to know people. It's kind of crazy. What if all of you, listen, I'm saying, listen, all of you, not some of you, all of us, got there between 9 and 9.15. A 
Because let's be honest, if we did that, all the work would be done in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, right? Then, then what would we do? What could we possibly do after everything is done and we're ready to roll? This crazy thing might happen. You might talk to each other. You might get to know each other better because most of you know the people in your life group really well. But be honest, if you have not been here, especially for a really long time, how well do you really know people that aren't in your life group? Life groups are fantastic. We want that to be family. We want you to know those people as deep as you know anybody in your entire life. We can't all have that. You can't know everybody in our church as deep as you know anybody in your life. That's not what we're talking about. But what if you actually got to know people? You knew what they were, su- the sufferings in their life? Because you actually had time to be, do more than like, hey, good morning. Coffee good? Cool. Good seeing you. Right? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with saying hi to people. But you knew, you knew where they were suffering. You, you knew what their rejoices were. You, you were celebrating their new babies in their life, but also knowing that, hey, like the, the, the big secret in our church is that we're trying to get, unveil to everyone is the first eight months of being a new mom, a new parent, is really hard. Isn't it? But it's like, you got to be the best mom ever. And man, I got to pretend like everything's fantastic. But then we started, a, 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 some of the ladies started a new mom's groups. And we're like, hey, you're, and we're in this together. It's really hard. It's really good, but it's really hard. But you're going to find those things out. And actually be able to pray for, with people for what's, what's going on and what's going on in our church. You're going to know these things. And then we, a weird thing might happen. You might get to know people you don't know and find out you really like them. And you're like, hey, you want to go to go to lunch after church? Let's go grab some lunch. You're not in a hurry to get home to do something that's probably not all that important anyway, right? We're in such a hurry to go do something not important. But what if you're like, hey, I'll, let's go grab lunch or come over to my house next week and let's play some cornhole. I mean, I, would, I don't recommend playing cornhole with me, but I would love to play cornhole with you, right? Let's just hang out. And then imagine this. What if new people came? And by the way, for new people that are churchy people, walking into an elementary school is going to be kind of weird. For, for non-church people, I think it'll be great. For churchy people, it might be kind of weird. So what, what if new people came? And by the way, new people who typically get to church early, right, we had new people getting here 15, 20 minutes early because, you know, they, they don't want to be the ones that walk in when church has already started, right? So what if when you came here early, the, the church building was not empty at 940, 950, but everybody was standing around talking and laughing and drinking coffee and eating together. And somebody new came in and then you went up and met them like, hey, we're hanging out over here. Come, come meet these two or three people because it's just natural because we're already hanging out. We're already talking, just come on, come on in. So the intimidating thing of walking into a family environment was, was canceled out because you just kind of welcome people in, into the warmness. How much more warm, how much better do you think that would be for new people? Think, think about it. And here's the thing, I, I wanna say this. I know that Sunday mornings are not always easy, especially if you have a young family. But hear me, when we planted this church, our kids were little. I get it. I've been there. It was almost 10 years ago, nine and a half years ago when we started this thing. So my daughter's 12, you go back, yeah, little, right? And I had, if you didn't know this, I had a full-time job the first three years of this church, full-time work, full-time pastor, had little kids, and we were still here every week, an hour before church started at least. Do you know, like like the Putmans and the other families that were new to our church, about half of our families when we planted the church had little kids. I mean, like newborns about eight. We just were filled with newborns to eight years old, right? And they got there an hour early. And they helped set up church, and we stayed an hour late, and we just hung out, and we all made church happen together, and then we hung out as a family. I know it's not easy, but I promise you, you can do it. Don't let the excuses, don't let the stress, don't let the, the potential nap times get in the way. Make this the thing, right? 
Don't let your, your kids become an idol in your life. I'm not even calling you out. Don't hear that. Like we can so center our whole lives around our children that they keep us from doing the thing that Scripture's clearly telling us we need to do, that we actually need new moms. You need community bad. And it's so hard. Listen, I hear you. It's so hard when the kids are new, but you need community. You need to be able to share how hard that thing is and be encouraged by other people who have been through it and understand it and can just love you. Right? We've done it. You can do it. We can get here. You can do this. I promise you can do this because it'll be good. Let's not treat church like a country club, but like a family. Like a family. There is no... There is no room in Scripture for, hey, I'm just going to attend a church once in a while and kind of get to know people a little bit. That does not exist in the Word of God. It's family. It's deep. It's rejoicing. It's weeping. It's using gifts and you using my gifts and we creating an environment through the really good things and just the mess. We're in it together. We're in it together. As I said to my son the other day, I think I said it to you, I said it about him, there is nothing he could possibly do to end my love for him. Does, does not exist can, can we fight? Can we get anywhere close to that as a church family? It just doesn't exist that we don't work through things together. It just doesn't exist that we don't assume the best about each other. It just doesn't exist that we're not fighting for this thing that Scripture tells us is so vitally important. So vitally important. That this is something right here is not something that we're supposed to attend, but a family we're called to invest in. How much... How much do you think the feeling of our church would change if 90 plus percent of you showed up to church every week at 9.15? This is not theory. This is, I'm asking the question, what, think about it. You don't have to shout it out, but how do you think things would change? It, we're not, I'm, listen, I'm not asking, uh, asking for another day, right? Church used to be like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, another night, right? No, life group. And give Sunday morning an extra. From nine, in your family, from 9 to 12 is family time. How do you think that would transform the way that this church feels? Church, we don't even have time for life groups and discipleship and, and youth and all the other things that we could talk about that this relates to. Church, I want you to hear this. Showing up to Williams at 9.15 is not the answer to what 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about, right? It spills into so many other things. But listen, it's a step. It's one step in the direction of the things that God is calling us to. A body that uses its gifts for the glory of God and to lift each other up to be more than we could ever be alone. I want you to use your gifts to serve the church, not because we need it, because with you, through you, we can be so much more. Because listen, you are indispensable. You are indispensable. So church, I'm asking you, change the way that you see Sunday mornings. Change the way that you see church family. And let it reflect what God is calling us to for his glory, for your good, and for the advancement of the gospel to a lost, broken, hurting world that so badly needs that kind of light shown. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you so much that, that through your word we get to, to actually know you and who you are and what you've called us to. And listen, God, why you've called us to those things. God, help us to hear that today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do your work. That today people wouldn't feel guilt and shame, but conviction that draws us into the things that you've already called us to because you love us. 
God, I think everyone in this room is on board with the fact that we want to live for your glory. And we want to reflect who you are. Oh, but God, life, God, life gets in the way, and you know it because you talk about it so much. So help us, help us to see our lives for what they are and see where we can grow and see where we can move forward and do that with joy. Not, God, help people not in the room not to feel like condemnation for not being good enough, but, but see the potential of who they could be in you and what you're calling them to because, they love, because you love them. God, I can't preach good enough for them to see that and hold on to it. God, I can't say it well enough or twist a phrase good enough, but Holy Spirit, you can do that work. You can change hearts because that's what you do. And so God, I'm praying that you would do it today for my heart and for everybody's heart in this room. God, I thank you for this church family. I thank you for how much it already is just such a family, but I pray you'd help it to grow more so that the, so that the world may see who you are, Jesus, through our love for each other. Jesus name Jesus we pray in your name amen